This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's how oh, she's got it. He got it. I don't believe it. That's unbelievable. He was throwing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop. And the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball, and the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up. Hey, great cricket. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you call me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Great Cricketer Podcast. Game of Thrones is over, but the Great Cricketer Podcast is back, and that's because winter is coming. Let the horses run wild and free, boys. Anything could happen in the next hour or so with Dan Bredig on the podcast and Ed Cowan as well. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm joined in studio by Dave Edwards and Sam Perry. Boys, mm. welcome back. How have you um, autumned? Well, we all look good, don't we, he goes, because we've been away from cricket and mm. it is always healthy to be away from cricket. I mean, those Skins who follow... Skins gl- well, glowing, rigs mm. are glistening. Fant- those who follow he goes as Instagram specifically, mm. and you should, will note just how good being away from cricket has been. It's a cutting him. season. It's absolutely cutting season. He's My fitness is good. 7% body fat. Didn't even think that was a thing. Absolutely. Anyway, we all we all look good. We've all been doing different things, though we have come together occasionally because it is presentation season, yeah. so... Uh, clubs have hired us uh, to come and uh, speak about the darkness of cricket mm-hmm. uh, because people sort of get off on that mm. in some way, shape or form. So it's been great. to. G- we've gone out to Perth. We mm. were at Sutherland last week. We mm. have Gordon Cricket Club tonight. Mm. Um, so it's been good to see you there, but otherwise been fantastic to be away from cricket. I've been, I've been following rugby league oh, yeah. um, in the last couple of months. Very different mm. to cricket, you know, mm. like a, a bit kind of... Like, it's a very a bit, earnest very, code, isn't it? Oh, it, it, It's soapy. Rugby league, you know, it's all about like grubs it's and neighbours. Neighbours, yeah, it is, and it's and it's good. In that sense, yeah. it's less considered. Mm. It's uh, it's neighbours. Edo's mm. mm. uh, people are already over the football season. Mm. Um, you know, down under, mm. you know, yeah. our, our UK fan base will be excited. Um, for the upcoming, well, it's it's their Nadir moment, really. I mean, they're, they're going to win the Ashes in the World Cup. Probably, we'll touch on that in a moment's time. But I want to know: Have you enjoyed the time away from the game? Are you ready to get back into it to be heard again? Are you ready to be heard again? Mm. <laughs> Glad you asked, here, guys. I am. I think I am. I mean, as we all <laughs> think I am. I'm on a podcast. I think I'm ready. Mm. Um, I mean, it's the same every year, especially when we played, boys. You know, you'd get to the end of the year, you'd limp towards the end of the season. Ooh, yeah. 
you'd want to quit cricket as, mm-hmm. as soon as you walked off that field. Then mm-hmm. the, the next few months, you allowed yourself to kind of, you know, slowly get used to the idea of going around again. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes more and more exciting. And mm-hmm. finally, when it's the, you know, the cusp of first ball of the season, mm-hmm. you're ready because you're suffering from cricket related dementia, which we all suffer from. And we, we saw this in action when we did perform at these events. Like as soon as mm-hmm. our presentation ended and everyone went for beers mm. at the end of the night you could actually see the conversations of people saying to others you're going to go around again next year mate yeah. and you know and the, and the absolute like glistening in the eyes of mm. that person because that's the greatest thing to, you be get, to be asked by somebody yes. to play again next that's year right. really they're asking you because they're really short on numbers and you know the economic crunch is going to hit hard global headwinds etc mm. so they actually just need players mm. and mm. commitment now but really mm. just to be asked to play is mm. probably the greatest compliment you can uh, ever be given in cricket lads whilst I've been uh, in the you know in between doing arms at the gym every day of the week mm-hmm. um, I was on Netflix the other day now bear with me here um, I was watching this. Uh, there's a documentary on there at the moment. I think it's called uh, Beyond Behind the Curve. It's a flat earther documentary, right? Right. So there's a guy. There's a guy on on there at the beginning who's a flat earther. He's got, clear me out here, lads. Yeah, I've got a bit. Yeah, that's it, right. It's going to go for three to four minutes. Yeah. Give me the space. Cheers. He's got. So he's got. He's got two mallets in his hand, right? Two right. mallets and a golf ball. Right. And he's juggling the golf ball left to right, left to right. And whilst he's doing that. He is reciting the 50 states of America in alphabetical order. Okay. And he's talking about how he's a flat earther whilst he's doing it at the same time. Later, at, no, I don't want to give away any spoilers here, but basically like there's a guy who is a flat earther who, just, who creates an experiment and he proves to himself that the earth is in fact round, has mm. curvature. Mm. Right. And he comes to this conclusion, he says, mm. interesting. And like the... <laughs> And the, so he's aware that he just realises that the earth is round, but he doesn't announce that. And like I'm, what I'm saying is that great cricketers in general are flat earthers and that mm. they know yes. it's, it's about identity, yeah. this whole thing of flat earthers. Like this guy knows that he can't leave because he can't be accepted again by the real world. These are my people. These, These flat are earthers my friends. are my brethren. Exactly, exactly. Also, did we say Steve Smith have a net? We, we oh. did see Steve Smith have a net, and I think we're going to get onto cricket-related matters in a second. Can I just canvas um, a thank you to all of our fans who – uh, got behind us in great numbers with the Australian Podcast Awards oh, yeah. uh, a few months ago. <laughs> That's true. Um, we That's put together true. an ad yeah. for it. Um, we asked you to vote for us to validate us as people. People did vote. And um, we learnt in the process that we <laughs> indeed finished um, sixth or seventh out of 450 podcasts when mm. it came to that mm. vote. Seven, that was, seventh. So se- the, the top six went into the most popular podcasts That's right. in so Australia. We just, we missed, just, out. Fit, we just we missed out. Seventh out of 450 was something mm. we're very proud of. Of, um, that then, what then happened after that with the podcast mm. awards was mm. that you went into finalists categories mm. uh, per category. Mm. So the mm. sport and rec category had six finalists, and we mm. thought, well, having finished seventh out of four hundred and fifty, mm. we're probably a chance mm. to make the top six mm. within sport. Mm. Unfortunately, we didn't make the top six within the sport and rec category. Um, it was full uh, credit to Cycling Central that, that took out the sport and recreation category at yeah. the APAs. A- yeah. a- absolutely. Um, There's yet- one of those nominees. Sorry to cut in. One of those nominees had released one podcast this year, just a little half mm. hour one. Yep. It was a good podcast, to be fair, absolutely. to the half hour Great soundscaping. in November last year. The APAs year. is the premier podcast industry awards mm. in Australia, yes. purely by the fact that there are no other mm. industry yeah. awards celebrating podcasts. True. Are we ever going to get, are we like Jeff Buckley? We're only going to be celebrated posthumously uh, yeah so I, was think, I was thinking Greenspoon we're Greenspoon right. I mean never mm. won an aria as a mm. song called champion um, mm. but I just wanted to say thank you to those who did vote for us to validate mm-hmm. us um, mm. ultimately we weren't validated by the officials mm. uh, clearly there's something wrong with us and mm. I actually wouldn't disagree there is something wrong with there us is. we're affiliated with the 
Tudor Advocate and not, you know, like News Corp. And that's probably yeah, the we're disrupting they made the finals, traditional though. media. They did make the finals. Yeah, there's no point. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway. we've got some other news because we're doing other stuff this winter. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've got a couple of live shows coming up. That's been released on our social media. You might have already seen that. We're doing a couple of shows pre-Ashes. Uh, we're going to Melbourne and we're going to Sydney, boys. We're going to be in Melbourne first up at the Corner Hotel on the yes. 25th of July. Mm. That's 2019. It's a Thursday night. It's a Thursday night at the Corner Hotel, Pez. Yeah. What could be better than that? Well, if you're in Sydney, here comes the big news. <laughs> it's the Comedy Store on the 31st of July. That's a Wednesday night. <sighs> Great night um, to go out in Sydney, and then and then sooner or later we'll and you know maybe maybe there'll be some UK news. I don't know. We we're not yeah, able to confirm anything yet. Not yeah. able to confirm anything about the UK yet. But if you are a UK listener, stay tuned next week mm. potentially for some news uh, on these Australian live shows. Though this is going to be uh, our our take on what's going to come up with the Ashes because mm. frankly. We're talking about like this Ashes series and the World Cup for the Australian side is essentially like this is 1948 boat tour shit. Like this is they mm, left formats. last week May mm. 15 or whatever. Mm. The last test at the Oval for those who play both forms mm. is September 12. That's just on four months over in the UK. This is two or three players coming back from cheating. Two of them our best players. Mm. The UK or England, I should say. Favorites to win both yep. the World Cup and the Ashes. Great summers over there. Global warming means that their summers are actually perfect at yep. the moment. So yep. the feeling over there is fantastic. Mm. It, it it all kind of it's, it's all building to either great success or glory for Australia or a huge catastrophe. We're going to be there on our mm. live shows to provide some oh, kind of take oh, on are it. Are we going to be like the Australian cricket team and go to the UK via Gallipoli? Um, because obviously mm. the Australian cricket team, in order to psych themselves up mm. for four months in England, mm. went to Gallipoli, mm. which is where every Australian sporting team goes when they need a bit yes. of inspiration. Yes. Are we going to Gallipoli, boys? We need to bond. We mm. need to bond. And I liken our situation of presenting a podcast to going to World War One mm. um, to fight the Turks. Mm. Why is it always Gallipoli in World War One? There's so many other wars that mm. Allied forces and Australian soldiers were involved mm. in. Mm. You know, I just got back from Thailand, Kanchanaburi. It's an area in rural Thailand. It's where the <laughs> Thailand and Burma Railway was built by prisoners of wars under mm. Japanese rule. Yes. That's still functioning today. It's a wonderful mm. symbol mm. of, you know, courage and determination and ingenuity mm. under fire. And Richard Flanagan's Narrow Road to the Deep North is actually... A outstanding book uh, mm. covering a, a desperate tale of a man who was involved in training. Right. Qantas doesn't fly direct there, so I think that's why they have to go right. Northern Hemisphere. But Australia did go to Gallipoli. Uh, there was yeah. a, a wonderful piece written by Dan Bredig about this, so we might ask him uh, if and when he comes on to our show. He's on the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think the main thing with Gallipoli is making sure that they go over and sort of understand that cricket is not war. In in contrast to Steve Waugh's team, who went over, and I think Steve Waugh just absolutely frothed. Well, his on name the, was Waugh on, on the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, <laughs> the current crop went over and sort of recreated photos and wore some. Um, How symbolic was it? I mean, his name was War. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, that's, I'd actually never thought of it that way. But. Um, they did yeah. call Mark War Afghanistan, didn't they? The Forgotten War. Then that war kind of re-emerged again, so it became... Yeah. Anyway. Are, there fo- are there photos of that Australian team wearing their baggy greens to Gallipoli? And, uh, there was a lot going on with Steve, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah. The slou- no, they, the slou- they wore the them to Wimbledon uh, under Steve War. Yeah. Well, Steve, no, Steve War... Went to a day out at Wimbledon Steve wore like hamburger. Steve yeah. wore the baggy green and a slouch hat that's over it, the top. Could you get more Howard-era nationalism? Just a pastiche of Australiana. Just needs a Ken Doan painting somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> 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 
Can we let's let, let's talk about the cricket? We should talk about the cricket. That's yes. what people downloaded this for, yeah. not to hear about our mm. take on the Australian Podcast Awards mm. necessarily. Uh, well, we're just talking about Mark War. So let's let's lead into uh, the current World Cup. You can't talk about a World Cup in England without talking about uh, what happened in 1999. Yeah. And at yeah. Fox Sports, our great friends at Fox Sports, mm. uh, said seriously, um, have been playing the Australia versus South Africa match, and uh, we have been having a bit of a WhatsApp chat about alternative realities with that last fucking ball mm. uh, with Donald mm. and Klusner, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. my take is if Donald, if Klusner hits that ball to mid-off, mm. Mark Waugh comes in at pace um, going to pick it up. If Klusner and Donald commit to that single, mm. all we're talking about is Mark Waugh missing all three fucking mm. stumps mm. with a no-look no backhanded, backhanded flick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden that legacy of being an effortlessly graceful oh, yeah. guy mm. erodes immediately. Mm. Mm. Instead... Donald kind of struggles. South Africa chokes. Fleming picks up the all three missed stump shot mm. from Mark Wall from three metres away. Mm. Uh, rolls the ball to Gilchrist. And, you know, that's a different story. Lehman missed from one stump, you mm. know, a couple oh, of balls yeah. before that. Yep. Uh, he goes, I believe your phrase on the WhatsApp thread was... Um, well, yeah. Just like how kissed on the dick is that generation. <laughs> like, he went for it to, to, Hell win, of an image. to get his team into a World Cup uh, Final, which they hadn't yeah. won yet because they lost the final the, in the previous mm. one in, uh, against Sri Lanka. Mm. He goes, "I'm going to win this game by with a no look backhand flick," <laughs> and like, and yeah. South Africa had fucked it up so much yeah. that Arnold Donald just forgot how to run, just, dropped his stick, and yeah. Damien Fleming rolls the ball at the slowest pace possible, know, yeah. but, and he's still out by three quarters of a pitch. Yeah. Like Mark Wall, like even with everything on the line, he just managed to be languid. Yeah. As <laughs> so languid. Like, was this like ever felt anxiety in his life? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Good game, though. Yeah, really good game. Yeah. Um, really good game. But moving to the current World Cup. It's so it's going to happen, yeah. Uh, right. Shall we start with Australia or England? Well, let's start with the Australian team okay. first, mm. and then we'll go into the eventual winners. Right. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but like Steve Smith had a net. Yeah, you know, it's good to see him back in the nets. Good and, they did, they did was, the Coley thing. That was Cricket Australia trying to match Coley's amazing net, which you know some people are still completing themselves over. Um, and and Steve Smith is just is just doing all sorts of weird, like just crippling OCD things. Like there's a thing where like he's going like ooh ah yeah, and like it's just un- like Stark can't playing. do much about that yeah, one, what, my friend. Yeah, is that what he said to Stark? Something been, like yeah. that. Yeah. It was it's just a, like, like, it's a, like condescending. Like he was a champing. Stark was. Stark apparently has rediscovered his in-swinger, which completely changes the entire complexion mm. of world cricket. Mm. But uh, he was beating Smith all ends up. Mm. And despite doing so, Smith... And this is a great lesson to the kids out there. Smith was still... You know, and that's what says to me, he's, mm. he's got it. Smith, mm, yep. he's bad. He's got it. He was still able to underarm the wall back to Stark and with the line, that was doing a bit too much, my friend. <laughs> well, can't do much <laughs> about that, my friend. The my friend the my is, friend, is yeah. the polite champing. Yeah. You know, that, that's a Steve. Yeah. It's yeah. the OCD like, champ. Yeah. Batting in the nets is, is a mixture of yeah, stakeholder management, making sure the bowlers feel happy but also you know exerting yeah. your, your natural alphadom over them so yeah. he, i think he got the balance pretty well yeah. on on point what he's saying there. is that like, i could usually hit any ball that you bowl for mm. four but that ball was that too particular much. one it, it didn't did, get me out didn't get me out but I, I couldn't have hit that one for four mm. that you bowled but still it's kept... a compliment dressed inside a you know an alpha ring yes Australia has uh, selected a side to win the 2007 World Cup uh, in, the, <laughs> um, in that England have fashioned a World Cup where, you know, 320 to 350 will be par on small grounds. Australia have selected four out of six batsmen who strike at 85. Mm. Um, Australia's ability to chase 350 should severely be in question. Um, that said, isn't it great to see Warner back? 
Oh. <laughs> he's got that look in his eye, doesn't he? Yeah. They're talking about that look that he's got in his eye, I um, a, which I'm a bit worried about, frankly. I had a conversation with a few friends of mine um, mm. and, you know, also about... Negative gearing. Woman, negative gearing, mostly. Yeah, Frank um, being, credits. Being Thank from God. Sydney, yeah. And it was just like, I was convinced at the time that I don't think Warner would play again. Such was the hatred mm. in the team of Warner. But it's just like... Pez, you were right. It was just like, yeah, he'll play. Yeah, he's back yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Like, Nine, no... Yeah. No, no other conversations. Nineteen percent. We, we just the need. You know, mm. italicise that the need no, is ferocious. Nothing happens anymore. Like politicians double down on things. Yeah. Scandal doesn't matter anymore. Nothing mm. yeah. matters anymore. Post truth. It's really impossible Post-truth. to get fired from anything these days. That's mm. true. So uh, Warner's return can be put down to Trump. I think I most have, things can be. I would have mm. thought so. Yeah, the the, the Trump effect. Uh, mm. I have some official news from Cricket Australia that I'd like to release on this podcast. Please. Um, and this is a contentious issue, but many just podcast as th- this morning, uh, it's not on the podcast wars. This morning, England, <laughs> the England cricket side released their kit. It looks to be a 1992 throwback, a beautiful powder blue that essentially reminds most Twitter users that they're se- you know of being, of being seven years old again, and <laughs> and it works phenomenally. Um, Australia recently did the same thing with a canary a Guernsey that's a bit of a th- 92 throwback in and of themselves. And there's been a lot of questions post that of can we complement these kits with the canary lid that they deserve mm. in that if it's a 92 throwback they wore a canary lid it looks good it makes me feel like a child again now this is a silly conversation right? mm. i understand mm. that mm. but um <laughs> but uh instead of talking about it on twitter i just thought oh fuck it I'm, I'm gonna email cricket australia i want official comment on this right so i emailed cricket australia this morning and to their credit uh they said that they would they would give me an official reply now it was through the form of a phone call but when i did um when i did email I was quite explicit. and um, yeah, Just email Cricket Australia. Said, yeah, just email Cricket Australia. That's what happens. Yep. Uh, mm. And I got an email back straight away saying, I'll give you a call. I'll give you a call. Um, I'm going to say, I, I said, I'm just looking at it now. It says, sorry for the essay. However, there is further clamour for the old school canary helmet and hat in Australia's case and the powder blue helmet and hat in England's case. Both teams have confirmed they'll be employing the green and navy headwear respectively. Can I ask, what are the reasons for this? Is it a contract thing, a cost thing, a pure aesthetic call? Mm. Uh, anyway, and then I explained how many people listen to this podcast and it would be in their interest to give me a reply. And they said... And, and if you don't reply by 5pm, I'll say that Secret Australia refused to comment. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I got a call uh, to their credit and it was explained to me that uh, there's just five different helmet manufacturers and it never came up in conversation. Mm, big five. <laughs> so all that really says to us is that, uh, firstly, players don't want to carry around two lids in their kit, which mm. is fine. Um, and secondly, that... Uh, Twitter users think they have power and they have absolutely none. And I think our election on the weekend um, proved that too. <laughs> I mean, I, I find it startling the, the you know the fact that people tend to like to complete themselves over <laughs> a new retro kit. Yeah. The, the fanfare that comes off the back of like a release of, yeah, the UK, the yeah. England throwback jersey and yeah. another throwback jersey we've seen recently, including mm. the Australian one day mm. kit. Mm. Do we really fucking care? Or is this an indictment on fashion today? Well, that's it, Edo, because I was saying to Pez before off air that I don't really like it's it's fine. Like I'm not gonna, you know, lose my head over it. But mm. like it's just it's just like I, I don't know. Like I, I liked England's kit when it was nineteen ninety two. I liked Australia's mm. kit when it was nineteen eighty four or whatever. Like it like I liked the eighties and nineties. I like music from the eighties and nineties. Yeah, like I just liked that era of things. The people who are making these kits um, have given up on making new things, new kits. Like you make new memories mm. and new kit. Mm. Yeah, I think it's more like if you're going to like um, elicit memories of 1992 and make people feel good over that or complete themselves over that, why mm. would you not just finish it off? Like just finish it off yeah, properly, like yeah, the way yeah. that the way that it's going to that. be done. And, and this is what that. Cricket Australia said. They said, "Well, we'd do it if it was a retro jersey, but this isn't a retro jersey." It's like, well, 
Sorry, it is. Pez, let oh, me put it to you that please. if they were selling, if they were selling retro lids, they would have done it. But they're selling retro shirts, and those shirts will sell. It's a commercial play. Now, I did get another comment from Cricket Australia over at the front page of the Daily Telegraph today as well, where they've had to mm. um, roll out all manner of people to deal with the question of volunteers. Now, um, for those who did pick up the Daily Telegraph today, a fantastic oh, rag. Um, wonderful, wonderful. Really rag. going places, that rag. Really is, and it's not a uh, cancer in our democracy at all, but. Stewarded greatly by Rupert Murdoch. Fantastically so. Um, they would have seen the front page this morning, uh, no doubt, from the Slow News files saying that uh, Cricket Australia had something on their website that disparaged volunteers in club cricket and a plan of how to get rid of volunteers. Now, I'm totally sensationalising that. Dead wood. But can we read a few elements of... Uh, of what was on the front page of the I Daily would like Telegraph, you to. yeah, or someone. To. Oh, let me let yeah. me just dive yeah, into the, do it. the camera roll, and um, mm. I've got to go a few back here because I've been taking a lot of uh, screenshots today. Yeah, I mean the headline was cricket bosses call on clubs to boot long-serving volunteers who are past best before date, mm-hmm. and uh, so some of the bullet points here in terms of barriers to succession planning include a gatekeeper, one person holding all the knowledge in a system only they understand. Believing they are irreplaceable, considering some staff and volunteers are irreplaceable. Poor records, poor management, situations where seniors take all, hanging on too long. And finally, <laughs> a fear of change. So the last two there are those, just, mm. that's great cricket. Hanging on too long and fear of change. Mm. Oh, you ne- you're never going to be able to um, like out-corporate that though, are you? I mean, fear of change is, is a phenomenon that will never... It goes hand in hand with grade cricket. Well, I think Once that leaves, the entire competition wouldn't exist. The, the last line of the article stated that all other sports, except with cricket, except for cricket, said that volunteers are their lifeblood. The lifeblood, is, it's not a tangible asset, is it? You, you don't see that you know, as a line item on your FY budget. And therefore, to Cricket Australia, it means nothing. So, so yeah. I... Um, received official comment on this too and what Cricket Australia said was this was uh, a very old policy written in 2016 that was kind of buried at the bottom mm. of their website that was dug out by, by someone who has since left mm. the organisation. Yeah, that it was aggressively written, that it shouldn't have been there. To which I replied, but it's true. <laughs> so, I mean, it, that has been I've certainly had that experience at club cricket where oh, yeah. there are so many fantastic volunteers but like we perform around Australia, right? Mm. And you can tell when you go to clubs, those that attract many volunteers to be part of it, they have, um, uh, I guess, an ethos of like diversifying it, of being good people where others want to come along and play. Mm. And then you go to other clubs where like there's one person that you deal with, mm. that person tends to be mocked mercilessly, but behind their back by the players, they're the kind of people that I think CA was um, centralized was power structures. About yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there is something charming about aging club officials that offer absolutely no <laughs> tangible value <laughs> to clubs for decades on end. Why do yeah. they get like half an hour? to training early and then do the nets and then they're there at the end to put the nets down but not doing anything else in between. They're always wearing very tight shorts as well. I reckon that CA is just like sick of getting alphaed by the BCCI and they're like, who can we alpha? I mean, cricket is all about alphaing people below you. Well, who's below us? Clubs. (laughs) Do you want any money? No. Yeah, of course we want some money. Not going to get any. Not going to get any. Um, I like how as well they've written that about... um, uh, like it's a really old policy written in 2016. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been doing Different this since 2012. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are really old. Um, okay, we'll uh, we'll speak on England another time, perhaps. But <laughs> but uh, upcoming uh, next is Dan Brody. Then after that, Ed Cowan.
Look, to be honest, I don't try and take the piss too much, but the problem is you start to get a little bit bored, so I sort of... I used to hate that. I sort of... uh, I try and do the right thing by the competition, I must admit. When I go there, I try and play conventionally, but realistically, I'm thinking from ball one, I just want to park this fucking thing into the car park. (laughs) But you don't want to come out of it and people say, look at that arsehole, Hodgie, you know, so... Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Welcome back to the grade cricketer podcast as ever we are privileged to be joined by the assistant editor of espn crick info also author of whitewash to whitewash bucking the trend and lately bradman and packer i'm of course talking about dan bredig db g'day good to be with you choppers <laughs> as ever you presume a lot now db i got a one-year-old kid uh, db um you recently wrote a piece about Australia's trip to Gallipoli. We just spoke about it in, um, well, disrespectful terms, really, uh, in keeping with our tone, but you wrote something a little bit more earnest about it. What did you find out about Australia's trip to Gallipoli and why they were even there? Uh, well, I think the the thing that needs to be remembered most of all about this is that uh, in 2001, when Steve Waugh uh, took the Australian team there for what was both a briefer and much more public visit uh, ahead of that year's Ashes series, um, Justin Langer was not a part of the Australian one-day team and um, therefore was not in the squad that actually made the trip. And so uh, had always wanted to, one, go, and two, go there with an Australian team. So I think... As much as this is a, uh, a a collective experience for the Australian team going to the World Cup, uh, it's also the I suppose you'd say the, the closing of a circle for uh, for Langer. Pretty cool. Um, we'll talk about the uh, the actual Australian team who is going to um, Gallipoli and also the World Cup. Um, Josh Hazelwood has missed out. Um, somewhat controversially. I think he's only played uh, maybe five or six white ball games in the last 18 months. Hasn't played since November. Justin Langer said hasn't played enough white ball cricket. Um, But he was the number one ODI bowler just two years ago. Um, Are Australia going to struggle without him or was it a fair decision not not taking Josh to the World Cup? Uh, I think the balance of the bowling attack without him will be intriguing because, of course, this is a breakup of the uh, big three, inverted common, inverted commas, not commons, um, who um, have really dominated Australian pace bowling for the last four or five years. So uh, with that in mind, there's a little bit of shuffling to to go about. But I think also uh, there was probably a, a, um, a not half an eye on what had happened four years ago, which was that uh, Josh Hazelwood had had a big summer in 2014-15, including the World Cup of that summer, got to England for the 2015 Ashes with a lot of expectation that he'd be ideally suited to English conditions. And apart from the Lord's Test, really didn't have a very good series at all to the point that he was left out of the team for the final test of the series at the Oval. So uh, the fact that uh, he's also coming off um, an injury 
uh, I think the the preference there was to make sure he was absolutely right for the for the Ashes because, as we say on paper, he should be pretty well suited to to bowling in England and maybe if he's um, in better shape than he was four years ago. Greg, how's the camp preparing? Um, obviously, Gallipoli aside, we're now kind of there and, and training and netting. Um, are you hearing any kind of whispers from the camp around injuries or form or, or possible batting lineups? Uh, I think there's still a fair bit in terms of the batting lineup that still needs to be worked out. I'm intrigued by the sort of role, well, both the batting position and the kind of role that Steve Smith is going to end up playing because he effectively. Uh, has taken the place of Pete Hanscom, who had been performing the role of, of a kind of middle-order utility player who bats around the other um, more, I suppose you'd say, hitting-oriented um, players in the, in, the, in the top six and really was doing that job a lot better uh, during the time he was in the side than Smith had been doing it uh, before his ban. So uh, the, the fact that, that Smith is... Um, He's got to be fitted in there somewhere, and to play that role is is something that um, that's pretty important. Uh, David Warner, of course, is 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 back, and I guess the the other question is whether he breaks up the Finch and Kawaja opening partnership uh, or also slots somewhere else into the order. So those are a couple of the the questions. They've got a um uh, a few warm up matches now. They've got one against the West Indies, one against England as well and one against uh, uh, Sri Lanka, I think it is, uh, all before their first game against Afghanistan. And one thing that was clear from their camp in Brisbane um, where they played games against New Zealand was this team was uh, a fair way short of match practice. So those three games are pretty important. Dan, before we let you go, uh, a lot of us... Uh, Luddites will have been reading about some kind of technical issue with the BCCI and Australia's cricket scheduling. Uh, and the upshot of it all is that our national team will no longer, or for a period of our summer, not be here. Um, I mean, this is just an absolute travesty that we don't get to play cricket exactly when we want to <laughs> and on our terms, right? On Australia Day in our country. Mm. We've got to play in India. Oh, look, it's, it's, you're going you're to get an avalanche of Big Bash League games on Australia Day. That'll, oh, that'll be yes. the, um, the trade-off. Um, but, yeah, it's absolutely uh, the, the, um, uh, the end result of uh, relationship between Cricket Australia and the BCCI not being exactly where it needs to be all of the time. Uh, and a lot of meetings that have taken place, not just between those two boards, but all the other boards in working out the new um, future tours program for the, for the cycle from uh, 2019 to 2023. And basically what happened was the last meeting in February, uh, Cricket Australia and the BCCI came out of that meeting with differing opinions on what had been agreed that uh, Cricket Australia thought they'd agreed to be touring uh, India for that one day series in late January. Ironically enough, they would have been playing um, on Australia day, but playing in India given that it's India's Republic Day for, for that series. But the BCCI thought it was earlier in January and being the financial power that the BCCI is, that view has ultimately held sway. Brady, unrivaled detail, thoroughly explained as ever. Thank you for joining us on the Great Cricketer podcast. Uh, no doubt we'll catch you throughout our World Cup series if you um, uh, have any interest in talking to us ever again. No problems at all, Chopsman. <laughs> Chopsman. <laughs> 
Cat actually wrote uh, a three-part fan fiction series a few years ago uh, entitled The Choke, which looked at uh, the, the fallout from the dressing room altercation between yourself and Michael Clark. Now, clearly, this incident split the team into two lines, you know, much like Christos Tsiolkas' novel The Slap. Um, can, I, can I send that to you for feedback? Because I think you'll like it. <laughs> I think you've just got good feedback, haven't you? <laughs> Fan fiction. <laughs> NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live. Because you shouldn't have to change teams, even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Well, in keeping with tradition, ladies and gentlemen, we have secured the services for, I believe, the 10th time, according to Wikipedia, of um, Australian test cap number 427, uh, Ed Cowan. Uh, Ed, welcome back to The Great Cricketer. Sam, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Absolute privilege as always. Lovely. <laughs> That's just mutual, uh, yeah, mutual, <laughs> mutual privilege and feeling yeah. all around. Ed, um, can I kick off by asking? I mean, Australia. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> no, no, please just let us ask questions first, uh, and then you can do what you need to do. But um, Ed. Uh, Australia's got four months ahead of them um, in the UK. It's good. It's like an Ashes boat to 1948 boat tour. And, uh, you know, they've got a lot of barracking headed towards them. I mean, you've spent time over there. It can get pretty brutal, can't it? Uh, you know, do, does, it, does this current Australian team have the metal you know, to deal with four months of what the UK is going to throw at them? Sam, we, we even had a technical glitch on Sunday where we recorded a show and it didn't work. I'm sure you've already alluded to that. Uh and I gave you crap for asking this question, and yet you've come back to it. It's such a nothing question. Um, about me. Are the, Aussie, are, are the Aussies going to handle the, the UK crowd banter of all the things you wanted to talk about? You've gone back here. What happened yeah, on yeah, Sunday? We yeah, were, yeah. There was no conversation on yeah. Sunday. Yes, I've gone back here. What is your answer? <laughs> I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I think. That's the least of the, their worries. Uh, the batsman facing the Duke's ball, Joss Butler hitting him out of the park, but they'll be worried about the 130-kilo, tasty white male with a beer in his hand. That's for sure. Okay, well, thank you for that answer. You don't think there's any any consideration given to that pasty white male with a beer in his hand when they're out in the middle? I mean, you've spoken before on our podcast about how you can... Um, how it's very difficult to hear people from the stands, but it's when you're walking through the um, through the the tunnel on the way back in, when you're walking around the streets, in and out of hotels, there's this hostility uh, whenever Australia tours England. That's just going to be magnified by a thousand. You sure they're going to be all right? I'm pressing you on this. I think they'll be fine. I'll say. I, I think uh, just I know you're doubling down here, Dave. Double down, Dave. They should call you. I think the the joy of England is that it's not hostile. It's it's part of the the DNA of cricket over there is a little bit of lighthearted, what you might call banter, uh, as opposed to, you know, what we saw in South Africa where people leaning over fences with batsmen coming off and pointing fingers and picking fights. It's just not that, it's not that aggressive, I think, 
you know, Australian crowds are just are maybe even worse sometimes to their own team if you're shielding on the fence. So I think, yeah, there's, there's going to be bigger factors at play. But so, hey, what would I know? As, as, as I said the other night when we re-recorded, well, pre-recorded, my experience of test cricket, my experience of test cricket is limited to a golden duck and mixing drinks for four tests. So, um, <laughs> I'm not that convinced that I know, I know much about playing Um Ted, uh, not friend of the show, but one of your very good friends, Kevin Peterson, tweeted the other day um, saying that uh, he was sort of comparing this England team to the great, you know, sort of modern-day Australian ODI team where he said, you know, if Hayden didn't get you, Gilchrist would. If Gilchrist didn't, then Ricky Ponting would. Um, you know, is, is, is KP right to compare this current England crop to that sort of great team of yesteryear for Australia? I don't think just yet. I think they're they'll, they're going to come in as favourites. There's no doubt they play a super aggressive brand of cricket. They're playing fearless cricket, uh, but they haven't won anything. Um, and so to compare them to a team that won three straight World Cups essentially um, seems a little bit far fetched. But they're going to come in as favourites. They're going to be very hard to beat. But I, I guess the one chink in their armour is it feels like they've only sort of got one gear and that's fifth gear and, and if you know any team that comes across them on a day and you know elimination cricket they have a bad day um, I don't know if, they, if they've quite yet nailed the the win in all situations kind of um, it's a box so they'll be, they'll be tough to beat Let's talk about Australia's short-form prospects, Ed. I mean, where do you pitch them? They certainly don't seem to have picked a side that is, you know, as prone to being fifth gear at all times the way England have. There's a, a bunch of guys who kind of strike at around 85 to, to 90. Um, you know, do you think they have a side to go all the way or, or is, should Australia's expectations be more along the lines of it would be great to make the final and if we do, you know, if we get there, then we might be able to do some damage? Yeah, it's, I think they'd be sort of eyeing off that semi-final place knowing that if you get down to the last four in a World Cup, anything's kind of possible. It's a 50-50 proposition. I think the the trick will be getting to that stage. Um, we've seen a team horrifically out of form and then all of a sudden race back into form uh, pretty quickly in the last sort of three months. But that momentum may well have been sort of stopped with, with not much cricket in, in, in the immediate sort of short-term past. They've obviously a little bit of personnel changeover with Warner and Smith back in. I think if Australia are going to win it, they're going to need Dave Warner to probably be player of the tournament or Pat Cummins to be a player of the tournament or Mitch Stark to, to stand up. They're going to look to their they're big players to, to win the big matches. Um, you know, if you'd asked six months ago whether they could win the World Cup, I think everyone would have said no. Um, my gut feel is they're a chance, but they're probably not as much a chance as, as in England or in India. To um, bro- or shorten the prism, if we will, Ed, just on your own uh, career, are you going around next year? I know you only live within a couple of kilometres from the oval that you play grade cricket at, but um, are you going to be playing grade cricket next season? I don't know. Dave, I'd like to think so. Uh, it was fun, I'd make a season of my life 
in terms of the funometer, uh, was a good excuse to to go to the pub and have a sit on with the with Sydney boys on on a Saturday. Um, mm. Don't know. I think it depends how my golf's going. Probably come come the summer. It might just be a case of kind of. Um lessening that radius of grounds that you play at i mean isn't it currently it's sort of if it's with if it's past three kilometers beyond your house you don't play maybe it's if you bring it back to two k's or something like that mm. literally <laughs> living myself at uh, trumper park third grade for eastern suburbs that's right reg bartlett mm. um Dubbies. <laughs> just saying grade words now <laughs> yeah, from yeah. Sydney grade cricket um, Ed as, as ever it's a, it's a pleasure to be joined by you thank you for uh, giving your time um, in relation to the tech difficulties that you raised um, we have no comment to make other than put two and two together the podcast has been released three days after we said it would be um, thanks for joining us twice for what I think is Maybe your tenth appearance, but also your third ghost cast. Um, that is, so you probably appeared thirteen times. <laughs> the, the disappointing aspect was it was quite funny. The other night, I feel like this has just been, you know, that straight vanilla kind of dread with, you know, a oh, radio yeah. station in the middle of nowhere. I haven't mm. smiled once. Mm. But hey, do you think we should share responsibility for that, or is that just purely on us? Yeah, I think. The quality of questions obviously diminishing. You're running out of things to ask. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Never take responsibility. Um, mm. Mm. Okay. okay. Exactly. Well, it's good to do public um, two-way feedback. That you guys need some elite honesty. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, it's, it's a bit of elite honesty. It's starting to get we stopped good recording now. two minutes ago, by the mm. way. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know. Um, Ed, thank you. Later, dudes. Dave, he goes. It wouldn't be a great cricketer podcast without no. some mention of our great friends. It almost goes hand in hand with the show now. Mm. Budgie Smuggler. Mm. Uh, we're just talking about our friends, not the actual brand, just mm. the friends at Budgie Smuggler That's who we're friends with. Exactly. My hand will often go into a budgie. Finish that sentence? Oh, I did. Okay. <laughs> budgie Smuggler is still going strong, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no doubt zero influence of, mm. uh, uh, from us. Unbelievable FY19 reporting. Mm. And that's right. Uh, Strong EBITDA. Happy wedding to its CEO, Adam Linforth. Mm. Married the wonderful Liz uh, in a ceremony where Stephen O'Keefe spoke. Oh, congrats. Uh, it's, all so, little, it's all a little bubble. My former housemate, um, we're still friends, uh, yeah. What was at that wedding as well. They actually had a game of 11-a-side um, cricket. Um, my housemate uh, is also a left-arm finger spinner on the same team as Steve O'Keefe, but he was slightly upset about because he wanted to face Sock right. um, and ask yeah. him a few questions. But uh, it's like how you afraid. always want to face yourself. I always yeah. wanted and wondered what I would be like to face. Yeah. I would have loved to have faced myself as a mm. non-bowler. They actually mm. say that's a test of narcissism, that. Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. It's an indicator of psychopathy. Yeah. Who would you most like to uh, face? Oh, myself. Mm. Mm. Carl Hooper for mine. Mm. <laughs> But budgie smugglers, though. Oh, yeah. They're still going strong, strong in the UK, strong in Australia. Mm. Uh, there's no particular angle on this week's promotion of their product other than you can buy them. There are many. Mm, yeah. uh, I enjoyed wearing the Australia retro budgie smugglers yeah. uh, post my back injury, mm. uh, which we haven't spoken about and we won't speak about. <laughs> but I, I can swim again and it's nice to feel like I'm in this Southern Cross 1995 mm. kit. Budgiesmuggler.com.au, B-U-D-G-Y, au. I don't play cricket for results. I don't come to
to take wickets, score runs, or win games. I play cricket to look good. Rigs, chests, pipes, circuits, salads. This is my domain. So when I hit the sheds, I need to radiate success. That's why I use Chop King Cologne by TGC. With a blend of the finest handcrafted English willow and Kookaburra Red King leather, Chop King Cologne lets me radiate cricket. Whatever the ground, whatever the circuit. Chop King Cologne. The new fragrance for men by TGC. Reek of runs without hitting them. It's that time of not only the week, not only the day, but the season, my friends. Mm. Hashtag ask TGC, where we answer your self-indulgent questions come short story competition. Uh, Thomas Harris kicks off this series, uh, and he asks, uh, well, he starts with looking forward to it, gents. My question, is there a place for a yuck 30 or at the top of the order, see Colin Munro, if it contributes towards winning games of cricket, or is it more important to look good, see James Vince? Thanks for the question, Thomas. Look, there's always a place for a yuck 30-odd in cricket. It's part of the rich tapestry, the fabric, if you will, of cricket. Somebody needs to be yuck. This is how we kind of establish hierarchies. Cricket is a race for hierarchy, if not anything else. However, is it more important to look good? Do you need to ask that question? Of course it's more important to look good. It's more important to look good in cricket and life than anything else. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why people find Keith Miller more attractive and popular than Don Bradman. He looked good. Mm. There's a reason we put that towards a potential sponsor that we will not name now, who also was about looking good. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see like a yuck Bradman 30, like in the archives, because you only ever see him just smoking fours through the covers. I'd love to just see Mm. like a 30 or 58 on Mm. an uncovered wicket just fucking struggling. Mm. Where's that footage? Mm. That, well, it, it's I mean, been wiped. That is, is where that footage is. It's been wiped. <laughs> he had his bat very much in front of his body when he was going back and across in defence, mm, Bradman. It's a bit yuck, mm. wasn't it? Mm. Mm. Very handsy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Uh, it's more important to look good like James Vince. Yep. Okay, this one uh, comes from uh, Nordberg, handled Joe Devola 76 uh, says, Can grade cricket be summed up by the fact that any time an international player goes back to play, there's always media there as if the player is doing charity work or curing cancer? <laughs> I don't know if you could sum it up like that. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, not it's a the neat way. summary. It's, it's neat. It's like yes. your auntie comes to you. How, how do you what, what's grade cricket? How would you yeah. sum it up? What have you been up to? Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll sum it up for you in a few <laughs> sentences yeah. briefly. Yeah. Yeah, you know how those cameramen, uh, when Dave Warner's playing grade cricket and it looks like he's curing cancer, that's mm. what it is. Yeah. I mean, mm. my, my thing about like just, just taking it back to Bradman, just hearing like blokes in their 60s talk about, you know, it's like, oh, I watched Saddam play down at some local ground mm. in, in 1937. Mm. And, and there, there was 20,000 people yeah, there. There just fucking weren't. There no. just weren't that many people. Yeah. Well, there was only 30,000 people in Australia at that time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, next question is from Yep You Bet, at Yep You Bet. Given the decline of 50-over cricket, some of the best World Cup moments have been when top teams get knocked off in pool games by lesser teams, e.g. Ireland versus Pakistan, 07, Vale Woolmer, Ireland versus England, 11. Should we be letting in more yuck teams to increase the chances of this happening? World Cup be more grade. 
Well, I mean, we've just seen this with the election on the weekend, the proliferation of small parties leading to a difficult situation for the majors. Um, I guess, w- what does that mean? I mean, it's not a clear... I mean, the coalition's only just established a clear-cut majority. Mm. But, you know, the proliferation of small parties, is that good for democracy? Well, Is it good for the World Cup to have some shit teams in there? It's definitely to spice things up? It's a trend. It's a global trend for democracy. Mm. Single-issue parties, mm. smaller parties are starting to fracture the two-party preferred system. Uh, and in many ways, that's why Ireland and Bermuda, etc., single should, issue parties should be in the World Cup. Well, occasionally a single issue party can wreak great havoc or make great uh, inroads into democracy, mm. you know, and, and make some uh, some you know some issues really come to the fore. If you just have two party preferred the whole time, mm. you get the Coles and Woolworths effect, and I think mm. that's what we might risk with the World Cup. A Ten duopoly, teams. yeah, yeah, just duopolies. Contrary view uh, for mine uh, would be that I love the idea of having as many yuck teams in there as possible. Maybe even like a you know a competitive second grade team, you know, mm. from Western Australia, for instance. Maybe mm. uh, you know a friend of mine plays with Papua New Guinea. I've never seen any one of his games, mm. and I don't care to watch any of his games. You know, there no. could be there could be fifteen associate nations in the team. Those yeah, Port Moresby decks up. are fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always said that. Now that we agree, there should be more yuck teams. But yeah, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like I'm saying the amount of like upsets that have been like cricket. Like cricket's a sport where the where the favourite wins. The favourite always wins in cricket. There's never been an upset in cricket ever. And the ones that have have a good <laughs> to go against my point. <laughs> the ones that have a go will get a go. Like like like, like 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 Bermuda, for instance, were in the World Cup, and Dwayne Dwayne Leverock takes yeah. the catch. They single lost that issue. game by seven hundred and fifty runs. Yeah. That's right. But you remember the single issue of his catch. Yeah, that's true. I do remember yeah. the single issue. <laughs> anyway, if you have a go, you'll get a go. Yeah. How good is Australia? Okay. Uh, Morris Lester writes, and he says, "Is Bill shortened to politics what Herschel Gibbs is to the World Cup?" <laughs> As in, yeah, you 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 dropped it. You you, you dropped the undroppable catch. Did Shorten, he literally had the catch. Did Shorten yeah. ever have it? I mean, Herschel Gibbs had that catch, but did mm. Shorten mm. ever have the well, catch? Well, there are certainly many journalists and influencers out there who were very wise, it turns out. Mm, in retrospect. To, in retrospect to what was going on mm. with the election. They didn't mention it at the time. No. But afterwards, they were very happy to point out that mm. you're, yes, the, the Liberal Party... If you were, actually look at the Google searches on the day of the election... Indeed, yeah. And the, the LNP were speaking to the um, the deepest, um, I want to say, fears, but anxieties. I won't know, just to the, the deepest base levels of, of, of mm. the Australians. They know the Australians better. Mm. Yeah, they... They know that we're base individuals, and we are. He lost it. He lost the election when there was footage of him running, surely, across that bridge. Like, that's when he lost it. I've got to say, I have to say this because you really should not judge people on their coordination, but... Well, we do. By crikey, that that running gate. And, you know, look, I'm <laughs> as... He's, know, he, he's quite... Um, the, the gate, he's quite leaning back, isn't he? Well, the Stiff. thing about Bill Shorten's gate is Here when you go. actually watched him run with Jonathan Thurston, for example, mm. it wasn't too bad. Um, but there's that one so piece kind of, of footage of him, him running at the MCG where for whatever, I don't know if a staffer told him to do this, but mm. somehow told him to push into a sprint yeah. in what was clearly the, the last 100 metres of the 5K run that he did. Mm. And by Jove, the, uh, <laughs> the, the lean back, the um, yeah. pumping hands. Yeah. The, that was when he lost Queensland. Complete, like, <laughs> <laughs> that was when right. Queensland went, nah, this is not our leader. It's a no from me. Give me yeah. ScoMo for life. Well, when you're running next to Jonathan Thurston and Queensland still won't vote for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Proximity to a Queensland legend won't win you votes, Bill. Um, okay. And Bill, please stop canvassing for the next Labour leader, please. It's done. Just show some respect. You need to bow. Okay. 
Uh, I think I'm up. Next one is from Maddie Bland. Morning, TGC. Gentlemen, I come seeking some guidance and wisdom. With the recent federal election resulting in a shock victory for ScoMo and the new coalition... Was it? Was it a shock? I fear the rift between my father and I has hit new unreparable lows. As a historical liberal voting boomer, he was won over by the successful scare campaign and Murdoch spin that ensured the tax man was a far greater threat than climate change or any other loony communistic lefty policies. Uh, close uh, quotes. Mm. So I think I'm at a crossroads knowing I'm one of these socialist snowflakes. Again, his words. Do I try and rebuild our relationship through a bed of lies or was it already broken beyond repair by the fact I've failed to reach triple figures after 13 years of dedicated applications of the game of cricket mm. with the simple reason for such failings resulting from a genuine lack of ability? <laughs> Probably could have uh, been a bit neater with that sentence. Hey, sounds like one of those players spoken by the other. I'd love to know where I stand and how I should go forth. These are truly dark times for all socially progressive, untalented cricketing sons and daughters. Hashtag ask. TGC. Yeah. Well, as ever, as ever, the first answer is a quick cricket. Uh, I know that yeah. he's done 13 years. He's, he's done 13 years' time, uh, yeah. cold, hard time. That's not mm. enough for mine. That's, Get less for murder. That's, that's, that's <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's, it's minimal, 13 mm. times. I mean, mm. some people are given 30 years to the game, you know, from, mm. from I was going to say birth, but perhaps even inception. Conception. <laughs> inception. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with the dreams. Oh, yeah. Look, in specific answer to the question, Try and rebuild your relationship through a bed of lies. Boomers love lies, mm. yes. uh, as the election showed. And franking credits. They love putting their head in the sand, literally just like putting their head in the ground and, mm. and putting the sand like over an ostrich. it. So right. We're part anything. of this generational yeah. warfare. Uh, don't apologise. Don't resolve from that obligation. And uh, but, our, but core, our core demo is 18 to 35s. But was the relationship already beyond repair? <laughs> yes, it was. But still try and rebuild it through a bed of lies. You never know. You never know if Dad will come back one day. Try <laughs> He won't, though. <laughs> Jack Flynn French. G'day, guys. I appreciate this is a long one, but I reckon this is a good bit of hashtag RTGC. Oh, good bit of hashtag RTGC. Sure. Towards the end of last season, I went through a breakup with my long-term missus. Handling it in the most grotesquely masculine way possible, I decided to get blind every Friday and Saturday night. Coupled with this, I had just gone my fifth straight innings without even reaching double figures with the stick. Then one fateful Friday night in February, I managed to cull one from the herd oh. at the local nightclub. Mm. Nice turn of phrase. Yeah. I turned up to the match the next day, very dry in the mouth, but also feeling very proud as I raised the hand in the pre-game game groin stretches to a polite round of applause acknowledging my night's efforts anyway we're having a bat and we're five for 30 blokes are spooning the nude nut off spinner to cover for fun next thing we're nine for 80 odd basically fucked because i couldn't hit the hit water if i fell off a boat the last six weeks and number 11 bats like the top tabletop cricketer Anyway, we start knocking them around and we're 9 for 150 or so at tea. Right, I'm 80-odd, okay, and I began to question, if I was to knock around another 20 or so runs, have I completed the infam- infamous triple C? Even though the circuit and shop came the night before, anyway, rattled from this deep complex, I chipped it back to the bowler for 82 in a typical weak dismissal that Dad sarcastically assumed correctly on my return to the club rooms later that evening. <laughs> if it adds any more context, I also managed to jag one on the Saturday night, so I was basically 18 runs short of being considered a god amongst my peers. Let me know your thoughts, gentlemen. I have a different view on this from the last time I read this. Right. Well, my view does not waver mm. in the sense that chronology and, and, and linear oh, I agree with that. sequences are important when it comes to the Triple C. You must hit the century mm. on the Saturday or maybe it's the Sunday, mm. then go out on the circle with your cricket friends and yeah. then have sex with a woman or whatever you like that night, all within, let's say, the space of 12 to 14 hours. I completely agree with that theory. I think that the, the, the century... 
um, must, must precede, precede the circuit, and I think the chop must be a result of the century and the circuit. It's all connected. And it, um, I think if I have, uh, you know, if I, if I get a chop from my wife or something the night before that hasn't mm. had any century context to it, no. I'm not therefore subsequently eligible for the century circuit chop. The first, the thing I wanted to say though at the start of this podcast mm. series, he goes, mm. is. Um, we're going to be on the lookout from now on for Ask TGCs that are clearly attempts from people to publicly uh, have discussed their great feats. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm, I don't really like it. You know, I want to, I want to feel some kind of uh, self-deprecation. I want to feel some kind of anxiety. There needs to be some darkness to the psyche. If it's a pure question of how good am I because I had sex, I scored a hundred, and I went on a circuit. Mm-hmm. There's not that much entertainment value there for me. Well, that's how I was first introduced into the great cricketer, so I, I take offence to that. I'm, I have a contrary view to both of your um, thoughts on the chronology of the Triple C because right. um, I think I, I'm not sold. I'm not sold that it exclusively needs to be the night after the chop. I mean, the chop doesn't need to be after the hundred. But I, I think that I must. think you can have a better time in your life if you have the circuit on the Friday and then meet a woman Friday night. And then that makes the century harder for a start and also just more satisfying. I think that the whole, if you have to take the triple C in a complete context of a day's play. So mm. you wake up in the morning, nothing has happened. It's a clean slate. You arrive at the ground, mm. no context. Mm. Your day is completely before you. Mm. How will you perform? Well, you go and you hit 100. Wow, that um, I feel really good now. I'm going to have a few drinks. Mm. Now I'm going to go on a circuit, mm. maybe to a bar, maybe to a couple of bars with my friends, my cricket fans. I'm feeling unbelievable at this 100. point. I've scored 100. I'm riding that high. Mm. I'm therefore emboldened and more mm. confident than I would normally be in social situations. Mm. Then I finally start speaking to a woman. Mm. She likes me. I mention my 100. It's all within this context, he goes. Mm. You can't ignore the context of the, the, the 100. Yeah, it's a good point. The century contextualizes the circuit, and the circuit contextualizes the chop, and it does not work in any other way. In my humble view, that is quite a sentence. <laughs> Just the way that you dead-eyed me <laughs> doing that. <laughs> Fucking Tony Abbott on two GB. <laughs> uh, well, hope that clears something up, um, Jack, uh, in your sex edition. Right in again, uh, Felix. Lean writes and he says, Hey TGC, I've got a, an ask TGC that doesn't revolve around daddy issues and the glorious triple C. <laughs> <laughs> Rather, I just simply need some help for the upcoming World Cup. A few mates and I are going to the World Cup match between Australia and the West Indies. However, due to the whole sandpaper gate, village name even now, saga, I feel as though us Australians can be easily targeted. I was wondering if there was any pre-prepared sledges or sayings we could use so that the pommy pricks can fucking do one. Trying to hide the fact that I'm Australian is not possible as I can't talk with without my Australian accent. I also plan on wearing some Australian kit, so they'll probably give it away too. Cheers, boys. That comes from Felix. Felix, Felix, Felix. Just listen up for a second. If you think that you can go over to the UK as a proud Aussie... Wearing Australian kit. ...with pre-prepared sledges, Mm. uh, you are on course for a disaster worse than Gallipoli. (laughs) (laughs) Which... I recognise immediately is inappropriate and I withdraw the remark, Mr. Speaker. However, uh, you are you will be walking into a barrage. That is what people in the UK are expecting. As with the entire Australian side, um, do, do not try and um, out-verbal English people. They are better at language than us. Hmm. They invented ma- it. In the main. Uh, and 
the only way you, Australia will survive as a team and will survive as individuals is to own the joke. Own the joke, be part of it, accept it. Pre-prepared sledges are, are going to land you in hot water. You'll feel terrible and destroyed. I think um, anyone from the UK who is going into a ground using a sandpaper sledge is just a fucking embarrassment as well. Well, that's true. I think if you just be like, just shrug your shoulders at a sandpaper sledge, which you will inevitably cop, it makes the person trying to say the sandpaper joke look like an mm. absolute knob. But so, you know that it's good. outside all of the grounds, it's going to be like, it's going to be like, oh, buy your sandpaper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, where's your sandpaper? <laughs> oh, 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 sand. Good hundred, Warner, but where's your, where's your sandpaper? Uh, yeah, blokes just yeah. sandpapering yeah. imaginary objects yeah. while he walks off the ground. That's quite funny. <laughs> That's the whole crowd shit. doing a sandpaper yeah. movement. I'll pay that. Yeah. But Barmy Army chants about, oh, you oh, jeez. <laughs> just lager out. I'm a lager out. Ben Stokes legitimately almost killed a bloke. Anyway, we got we got UK news next. We got UK news next week. Just stay with us if you stick the around. UK, yeah, please yeah. stick around. Yep. Uh, last one, I think, boys. Uh, it's from Jake. Jake, Jake. Proven. Yeah. G'day, fellas. Got a couple of English-related questions to ask. Question one. I've averaged under 20 in grade cricket my whole life. I spent one season in England, averaged a tick over 40. Can I merge my play cricket and my cricket stats together? In keeping with the English theme here, I have another question slash story. Okay. My home ground in England was on the border of Gloucestershire and Herefordshire and had a creek running alongside the ground. They had put up a 30-foot net to prevent balls exiting the area, but alas, I cleared it on multiple occasions. Okay. I sometimes mm. did this to get off the... Mu- All right, mate. Oh, on right, other times yeah. after 100. Oh, yep, okay. get it. You can hit the ball. The cow corner boundary was 50 metres on a bad day, which meant many hungover stumbling singles were hit to the bloke on the fence. On the other hand, the straight boundary was a bit longer compared to the cow corner fences. Fuck me, geography. But the sight screens look larger because of the small ground. My question is this. What is more alpha, banging a six into the sight screen and having the ball ricochet back to the 30-yard circle or hitting a six into a different county? Love your work, Rooters. Three things here. Um, first off, nothing worse than getting off the mark with a massive six, is there? I mean, really spam. Mm. Um, secondly, what I wouldn't give to be able to merge my, my own play cricket stats with my cricket. I can't believe they're not interoperable. Yeah, it's weird. It's an apple. It's like apple. It should be. Well, be... no, well, Apple, you know, you can't use a non-Apple product. Well, it's very difficult to use a non-Apple product mm. with an Apple product. We, we mm. should be looking to start an aggregator service for all of these statistical mm. um, platforms mm. working mm. with the ECB and CA. And an agnostic our... platform that, that accepts all data data forms, different mm. data, maybe an API, RESTful API perhaps. Mm. RESTful. Yeah. It would help. It would. It would help. It would help UK clubs specifically because if someone says to them, you know, yeah, I play. I play some first team cricket back home. You know, bat and bowl. Good point. You know, you can't search on play cricket because it's online. You know. And the yeah. other, re- I mean, it's the only lie that remains in the game. You it's know, the can only. You, can you go overseas? Yeah. yeah. Other than that, and did it carry? Yes, it, it yeah. always it always carries. And was, did you have a third thing there? Uh, the third thing was that clearly hitting the sight screen is way better, and it goes back to the bowl up to yeah. the thirty yards. So that's way better. Yes. Yeah. So this is another one of these questions. It's like, hey guys, look, I've just got a couple of problems. So I'm not sure whether to hit a six into another county. <laughs> I have a straight answer to that. Of course, it's hitting the sight screen on the full and hearing the crash of the ball against the sight screen. As you said off air, Dave, it's like uh, hitting the crossbar in soccer and the the, you know the inhaling of the crowd as that happens and the complete wonderment. Like, Mm. what is going on? We're bewildered. We don't know where the ball is. However, also, can I just say? Kind of quirkily mentioning that I've hit a six into another county, also by like opposition, 
proves that you know something about geography, therefore you've read a book, therefore you'll be ostracised and um, hmm. met with suspicion um, hmm. as somebody who has read a book or knows something <laughs> about something other than betting or cricket. So just hit it into the site screen, champ. It's really good doing podcasts in person with you guys because we can eyeball <laughs> your, scarily. your body language at the yeah. moment with that elbow yeah. on your, you got your hand on your knee yeah. raised, yeah. elbow arching at a, at a ninety degree angle. It's very interesting. Why did you just, just chant me? I didn't even ask the question. But thanks to those who did ask the questions to give us the opportunity to alpha the fuck out of you, and we encourage those each and every week as we head into this podcast series, which we should say that there's going to be a couple of episodes next week and then the week after that when the World Cup starts proper, three of these bad boys a week. Um, so come along with a ride with us and uh, some more news coming up probably next week uh, involving the UK, which I think we've teased enough to the point where it's fairly obvious what we're talking about. Um, Ian Higgins here signing off with Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. We will see you next time on the Great Cricket Podcast. <laughs>